0: Today, we are going to be talking about the PlayStation Showcase. They showed some trailers for some games that were already announced that are coming down the pipeline. They revealed a couple new games. And then we're going to be talking about two games that I recommended Jeremy play, one of which he hated, and one he really liked. <laughs> and uh, It was amazing! And, yes. <laughs> so... Um, did you see... This is Jeremy, by the way. (laughs) Oh, hey. Just to be clear. And I'm I'm Alex. I don't think I said my name either. Um, Did you see the PlayStation Showcase this week? I I did not. um... Okay. So I'm just going to, like, talk about some stuff they showed, and then I'll describe the trailers to you a little bit. Okay. You played the first God of War, right? Or you started it.
1: How much of it did you um, play? So I, the original God of War, I I played a little bit of one, two, and the last one. Okay. I don't think I fully finished the second or the. La- I definitely didn't finish the last one. I. the last one, you mean I, the
0: I, one that just called God of War, like the the PS4 yeah, one, the one okay. where
1: he has his son and they're trying to go up yeah. the and. Like chops on the tree and stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. just the the graphics and stuff are amazing. I just oh, didn't yeah. One really Yeah, I, I started getting into some other games before I finished that one. But I I've always liked the game mechanics. You know, it's like a yeah, you're just you're slashing through a horde. And as far as those type of games, those have appealed to me the most. Uh like Dynasty Warrior and stuff where you just if you're a person that's just doing cool attacks and everything, I like Mortal Kombat stuff like that, where you're strategizing and you're attacking one opponent, but where you right. just got massive amounts of enemies and you're just mowing them down, that is such a cool like dynamic, such a cool feeling. So.
0: Yeah, and but, it's but not I, the new one isn't so much like that. It's a little bit more like you know, like a Dark Soulsy, where like you're maybe fighting, like I mean, you do fight bigger groups of enemies but you're not fighting like it's not like dynasty warriors as much
1: yeah it, it was different so I I did like so the the earlier games always had puzzles and so it always had a certain flavor of platform to it which I liked mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy you know moving through an area and trying to figure out okay we got to lower this raise this, Move mm-hmm. that, you know, that sort of stuff that you see in a lot of games like that, um, and it introduced the the enemies in uh, a very smooth way. And the enemies all had very unique attack styles and stuff. Like you had the zombie dudes, very straightforward, just melee, smash and grab. Then the uh, you had the witches or whatever. After that, they had like ranged attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it was a little bit more like Dark Souls, only not so brutal and massive. Not so brutal, yeah. You're still playing Kratos.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the yeah. trailer for the second one came out. It's uh, God of War Ragnarok. And you, this time, the last game, you, I think you got to go to six of the nine realms. This game, you get to go to all nine realms. Um, uh, he's just going to kill all the gods, it looks like. Doors in the trailer. Thor looks like Kratos, but he's got like a like a big belly and he's a ginger. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> and Thor's... Well, I don't know how far you got into it, but Thor has a beef with Kratos going into the second game. Oh, okay. And so does um, Freya. Freya's pissed off at you in the new trailer. She's going after you for something to happen in the last game. And I don't want to spoil it because you didn't play it. You should finish it just to get... it Because it's a good story like... Even if you want to crank it down to easy mode and and get through for the story, it's a, it's a good game um, for that. Yeah,
1: I, I, I enjoyed it. I just – I love, like, city builders and stuff like that. So once yeah. I get one of those games, I get, like, crazy about it, and it just consumes me. And so hmm. – but I do love a good story and everything like that. So the uh, – it Yeah. I, I will finish it eventually. Yeah. one day. It's a beautiful game, and the storyline so far has been pretty great. And uh, yeah, the combat's not too bad or anything.
0: Yeah, and I love anything with that incorporates mythology, too. I'm a big sucker for oh, yeah. that. Uh, another game they showed, Insomniac Spider-Man 2, which is the third game in the Spider-Man series because Miles Morales came out last year. And I, I played the first one. You also played the first one, right? The first Spider-Man? Yeah. It came out, like, 2018. Did you play it?
1: Um, no, I, I don't think so.
0: Oh, dang. You'd like it, for sure. Um,
1: I, I was a huge Spider-Man fan when I was growing up. That was, like, yeah, my, That was my dude. I watched the animated series, like, crazy... Yeah, and, uh, pretty much every episode. Connor I can play it like, too. You know. Yeah, because it's and it's not it's of, like the, tame. The and everything.
0: Yeah, but uh, Insomniac, you you may know they did Ratchet and Clank. They yeah, uh, I
1: love Ratchet and Clank.
0: Yeah, me too. Um,
1: I think that was one of their first ones for PS two.
0: Yeah, they did um, Spyro on PS one and Ratchet and Clank on PS two and ps3 and then um and then for ps4 2018 spider-man and then last year i guess 2020 spider-man miles morales so now spider-man 2 is going to come out in 2023 it's got miles morales in it 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 looks like they're teaming up they're doing fights together and it's not clear if it's like he's ai controlled or maybe there'll be some kind of co-op it's probably going to be AI, but maybe they'll add a co-op mode down the road. And um, Venom's going to be in it, and probably Craven um, the Hunter. So, uh, that looks promising. Insomniac's really been cranking cool. them
1: out. Yeah, That's one thing that I'm glad that they finally started making movies for Venom. And I'm surprised that basically no Spider-Man movie that has happened since Marvel's great awakening in the early 2000s <laughs> there is not really unless i'm wrong about this there hasn't been venom in any of the spider-man movies right
0: uh spider-man 3
1: oh crap <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm wrong. it's okay you're, you're allowed to forget spider-man 3 <laughs> <laughs> um i still remember uh, green goblin <laughs> yeah also coming out uh, by Insomniac is uh, Wolverine Game. No no date on that one. Probably 2024 if I had to guess. But it just was like a cinematic trailer of like a bar where everybody just got their shit kicked in. And then it shows Wolverine sitting at the bar and he pops his claws out. Uh, so Sounds pumped like about that, that one game. too. Yeah. and it, And it's kind fan. of... Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation on like what the gameplay would be. Probably like a God of War, like the new one, where you're just like it would have to be linear levels. They couldn't do like an open world like Spider Man. Uh, I don't think it would be satisfying to play as Wolverine in like a big city or like a Canadian forest or something.
1: Yeah, that that would be a hard hard to sell I think although the 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 mythos of Wolverine is so crazy and it's been fleshed out in such a, a cool way him being mm-hmm. sort of like a that ageless part of his yeah persona they've really They could play around with different scene.
0: timelines too or different time, yeah. you know time periods you
1: know yeah like he's got like memories from all the way back to, like, the Revolutionary War or Civil War or whatever, you know. So there's there's a – yeah, I just feel like there's a lot that you could do with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that open world-wise it would be – it would make much sense, you know. Yeah. I think I, that if they did anything like Logan, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. If they did something any near the caliber of Logan, that would be mind blowing. Yeah, just, like something like the last having, of us.
1: Yeah, just having like gigantic um, autonomous robots farming and like self-driving trucks and having all that like weird quasi futurism and mm-hmm. and then um, just the concept of creating mutants, like the fact that. One of the cool things that I think happens with magic or anything within a particular story is where it gets limited, you know? Mm-hmm. Where they're like, there's not a lot of magic. There's only a few people that do it. Or there's not a lot of special mutant powers. It sort of has fallen into decay in the greater society. It's, so it's, it's a rare resource. I, I always yeah. think that that's an interesting... Story plot type of mechanism or whatever, and that's yeah. They, you know, there was that like mutants have either gone underground or there's just not that many of them around anymore, and then they're creating them as weapons and and murder. Yeah, that's like um... can you imagine if you you were fighting like a perfect version of yourself as Wolverine or fighting um, combinations of different mutants genes being put into uh you know, some boss you're fighting or something. That'd be kinda like cool. Storm and Cyclops all together or something like that.
0: Or imagine like fighting like you're in the forest and you see just like this like this mountain start to move and you realize it's like a freaking sentinel that had just been forgotten for a hundred years and he's all like rusty and shit. He's got moss growing on him but his weapons are still functional. You gotta fight mm-hmm. him. It'd be so cool. Oh yeah. So yeah, light on details for that one, but it is coming uh, at some point. There are early production for that. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy coming out this year. It looks like absolute dog shit. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: like, I, think,
1: I think we very briefly talked about. It. You said like the graphics are just terrible, right? Rocket Raccoon. that. Yeah, well,
0: the- like that. I don't want to say the graphics aren't good. That's true. But also the animation's bad. It looks like I don't know if you saw any like trailers or gameplay of the Avengers game that came out. What was it? Was it last year that Avengers game came out?
1: Yeah, um, I did. It, it seemed like it was uh, put together super hastily mm-hmm. in order to make money. The combat almost looked like the new Final Fantasy to me a little bit. You had kind of like. You're, you're fighting, and it's an open area. Yeah, you're it's very sort of rpg Yeah, you're running around and you can, like, fire attacks at them or whatever, but um, I, I, I'm trying to think of, like, an old-school, like, PS1 game that I originally started seeing that sort of uh, gameplay. But, yeah, like,
0: or the, the, or the Avengers game really does look like something that, that would have come out in, like, ps3 era and and like it it just feels like something that would have been like a tie-in for like the avengers movie back in 2012 it's very like old-fashioned and not in a good way and the guardians of the galaxy so that was square enix this is also square enix they're using the same game engine and everything it's a different studio under square these are the guys that did um the dave's x games which i'm also not a fan of And it's just a shame that instead of like, uh, trying to come up with their own identity, they're just doing, let's make it as close to the movies as possible without getting the rights to use the actor's likenesses. And it's kind of gross. Uh, my favorite joke is that the Avengers look like the stunt doubles for the actual Avengers in the movie. And I think that's a fair comparison.
1: Oh. Yeah, the, uh, I, I feel like there's so much that can be done with that, you know, because the Marvel Universe, people are hungry for new things. You've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you've got mm. WandaVision, you've got, you know, Iron Fist. There's all these uh, shows and stuff that have come out, you know, uh, Punisher, everything, that it's obvious that people are open to the idea of new content where you could really throw something new and interesting in there instead of making it seem like a carbon copy of one of the movies or something. Yeah. So. Um,
0: yeah, and, and if you look at like Insomniac Spider-Man, they're very much creating their own identity. And even, I don't know if you saw the Marvel uh, Midnight Suns trailer, um, but the... Those are that's by the XCOM guys. That's creating its own identity very much too. Oh, it doesn't look man. anything like the movies. Sid uh,
1: Meier, I love the XCOM com games. They're yeah. strategically, they're they're just great. My only complaint about the first one was there's not that many maps. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So this is uh go, go, Midnight Suns is you're on like a team of like magic based characters. So you got Blade. You got um uh, Ghost Rider and then also like Wolverine, Captain America, and Iron Man are there. Um uh Doctor Strange is there, and it's like a card game. It it's got card game based comp card based combat. I'll send you the trailer when we're done. It looks kind of weird. Uh but it's not it's not as XCOM as you would hope it would be
1: okay it, it definitely sounds interesting
0: yeah i don't like the idea of the card game face combat because i'm not i it's just that randomness that i don't know <laughs> but like xcom also does that thing where like you go to shoot somebody and you have like a 90 percent chance to shoot them and it's like why 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 is it only 90 percent chance why can't i just like line up a shot that drives <laughs> me nuts too <laughs> So yeah. uh,
1: sometimes you get some really, really tough shots.
0: Yeah. Uh, but that's it for Marvel games. Um, Blood Hunt got announced for PS5 coming out this year. I think it's a PS5 exclusive. I don't know if you ever played Vampire the Masquerade. Um,
1: I have not.
0: It was like a tabletop RPG originally, and there's also like a PC RPG that uh, it's got like a cult following but this game is like you're in like the like dirty like uh victorian era london and you're playing as vampires and uh it's like a battle royale game it looks really unique it's totally different looking than something like fortnite because you got vampire powers and stuff uh it looks kind of cool i wish i had a ps5 so i could play it and it's free. Yeah, on, that sounds
1: so. interesting. Is it? Oh, yeah, it's free too. Yeah, it's a free okay.
0: game, coming out this year. Um, okay. maybe we'll get a PS Five with
1: <laughs> next year. I don't know if you're gonna try to get one soon, but uh, no, I, I'm gonna wait until they're easy to to get. I know they yeah. I'm not gonna really do. Bad. I'm I'm still crushing the PS Four games, so I've I've got some some staying power you know i'm not going crazy too much plus i play some pc as well so i i have enough to keep me busy but it's definitely something that once it's not so scarce that uh, i'll be looking at because i feel like the the prices aren't going to be reasonable until everyone is at least, like the first wave of people have gotten their stuff, you know. I kind of want to do the main wave, I guess. I, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, maybe even wait
0: around till you get like a PS5 Slim. But yeah, um, but there's not uh, really a reason to race out and get one right now because exclusives wise, like um, uh, Horizon Two Dawn is coming out on PS4 and PS5. God of War is coming out on PS4 and PS5. So like. What you're missing out on is like little stuff, like uh, what was what was that one? I just said Blood Hunt, and like the new Ratchet and Clank is exclusive, and Demon Souls remake is exclusive. But it's really a handful of games that you can't play right now. So you're not missing out on a lot, you know, by not getting the PS5 right away.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because with the new systems, they always take a while before they build up. A- a big catalog you know yeah and it's there's certain points where i feel like it happens with movies and it happens with video games and everything else where there's just boom and bust cycles or sort of like dry spells and and outpourings of just tons of really great games Mm -hmm. that just happen because games and movies take months and sometimes years to make so that yeah sometimes you'll get a ridiculous amount of stuff all in one time, and then uh, it'll be scarce for a while. But always with new systems, you're not going to really have a lot. It, it just. Uh, I saw a meme where somebody was like, 2012 had no right to slap this hard or something. It, I, I don't know what year <laughs> it was. I can't remember. But it showed all the games and all the movies that came out. I was like, wow, that was yeah. a year. Like, man. Well,
0: man, was that, it 2011? skyrim came out and a couple other big games because uh, uh yeah 11 game changers, 11 11 yeah
1: Just yeah. completely reimagining genres breaking down barriers going into new territory
0: yeah so it's speaking... just a classic
1: format but it's just i mean it's like such a massive game and that was one of the first games that wasn't mmo where you had a lot of like Side quests and stuff. You know, oh man, I love Skyrim. Every everywhere. once in a while,
0: I'll just go play, pop, like, uh, start a new save and just play for a few hours. Just because it's fun to be in that world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, speaking of games you can only play on the PS5, mm-hmm. did you ever, um, play Knights of the Old Republic back in the day? Mm-hmm. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic?
1: I, I'm i not sure. I don't think I did. There's... Okay. The, I love Star Wars, but I really... Like, the pod racer back on the N64, I played yeah. until my eyes played. But after that, I didn't really get a lot of uh, Star Wars games. So I want to say that I have not.
0: So Knights of the Old Republic was a... Um, RPG on PC and Xbox made by the people that went on to make Mass Effect later on. Uh it uses D&D style like combat. So like your like your character like the computer is doing like percent chances to hit and stuff. Um yeah, uh it has a really that's cool right at my st- alley. Yeah, yeah, you would love I this love game. Love
1: Mass Effect, and I love D&D, So <laughs> yeah, it's
0: like a precursor to Mass Effect. Uh, I really got into the second one, which was made by Obsidian, who's still kicking ass. Um, and then I tried to go back and play the first one, but uh, I encountered a bug that wouldn't let me progress, so I never finished it. But uh, yeah, it takes place like a thousand years before Episode One. It's in the Old Republic era. So there's just, like, a ton of Jedis. There's a bunch of Sith running around. And uh, you're just flying around in a ship. You have a ship. You go around to different planets. uh, You solve quests for people. You're playing as a Jedi. You can train other people to be Jedis. Uh, It's a pretty cool game. I loved it. I was maybe, like, 13 when I got the second one, and I played it over and over again. That's getting... The first one is getting remade for PS5 no dates pretty light on details. they did say that they're gonna heavily it is a remake it's not like a port they're making it from the ground up but it's gonna have the same story so uh
1: i think there's still a lot you could do with that though
0: yeah for sure i, I can see and, it. Just based and, off
1: of what you told me it sounds like a lot of cool concepts of like yeah. just side stuff for me i love i love graphics and i love you know particular kinds of gameplay and stuff but The um the side things that you can do in a game oftentimes are the most memorable, greatest things for me.
0: Yeah, well, here's what I remember: my can have
1: a really great like storyline, but having those little side things of like building up a ship or building up a base or or something. Yeah, like depending
0: on the conversations you have with your crewmates in the second one, and the way that you that their affinity towards you, you can like, and it's not like The game doesn't tell you this, that you could do this. But you can, like, train all of them to be, like, not all of them, but, like, half of them to be Jedis and use the Force. But you could also totally like, I totally missed it the first time I played through the game. And they, you know, like, one guy had a gun and some of them had, like, melee weapons. But, like, uh, if you have the right conversations and stuff with them... They can all get trained up in the force and use force abilities and lightsabers, which are way more OP than anything else in the game, and just freaking just stomp your way through it. It's so much fun. Uh, And the first one, like I said, I never got to finish it, but there's some cool characters like you get a Wookiee on your team and like an assassination droid, uh, an astromech droid, and a few other Jedis. So pretty cool yeah yeah it, sounds
1: super interesting i think with the yeah. updated graphics and everything too it's going to be super juicy
0: oh yeah it's totally gonna be worth playing and ea is i their their holdover star wars is over as of the end of this year they had an exclusive deal with disney that only they can make star wars games for some reason so that's why all we've gotten since disney bought star wars is two battlefront games and one uh Jedi Jedi Fallen Order. Do you play that one?
1: Oh man, that sounds familiar. No, I don't think so.
0: Okay. That's a good game. It's kinda like Baby's first Dark Souls, but it's got some like uncharted elements in it. Emily me and Emily like passed the controller back and forth and played it. But it's it's a lot easier than the Dark Souls, but it's it's okay. a good game. Thank
1: goodness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you should check it out if it ever goes on sale. But, uh, yeah, so that was, um... Oh, one more thing, one more cool announcement that I thought you'd be interested in. Uh, Forsaken. It's this game that, uh, you're plays like a girl ends up in wakes up in, like, uh... She gets teleported, like, a fantasy world, and she uses magic, and she's just, like, zipping around. Uh, and it looks pretty cool, gameplay-wise. The, the main character's a little bit annoying. But she's, like, very Gen Z. Uh, but it is being... One of the people creating it is Amy Heading, who worked on the first three Uncharted games. So, that's the I first like that. thing she, so, she left, oh, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, she left production of Uncharted 4 to go work on the Star Wars game that never came out, so this will be the first thing she's done in like 10 years that actually came out, so, oh, wow. we'll see, that might be good, it looks pretty interesting. And that's, that's all the announcements from the PlayStation Showcase. Um, we're, we're, let's I, take I a quick make... ad break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Bloodborne and No Man's Sky, one of which the, the, you the absolutely were... love, and the other one is No Man's Sky.
1: I would like to, either oh. at the preface of that or at the end of this, uh, ask you about X-Men. Because I think... We've talked about it before, but I just wanted to get your perspective on. Obviously, I absolutely loved Logan, and that yes. was because it. And that happened to happen under Fox, and it seems like they're more um, more likely to risk doing like an R-rated super movie, uh, superhero movie. You're right. And I was just thinking, what do you think are the odds that Disney would ever even be interested in getting X Men? And, um,
0: well, they did say but, that they're they're going forward with a Deadpool movie, and it is going to be R rated, I believe. Okay. So well,
1: that's good. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. It's interesting because I feel like they're very conscious of their image as like a family friendly Mm. organization and they're they're very scared to do things that are
0: well I think the the caveat with Deadpool is they're gonna I believe this is what has been said, but it might just be speculation that it's gonna be released under the Fox banner and not under the Disney banner. So they're gonna be like, listen this one's a different this is not the same as the Marvel movies. But I could be wrong. Uh, that may have just been speculation. I could do a quick Google and see.
1: Okay. But I mean, as f- it's not that important. I just... I, you know, we have sort of talked about how, like, is it a good thing for some, some mega company like Disney to have control over so many different franchises? Are they capable of doing them all well? What are the downsides of having that kind of, like, monopoly on the sorts of, you know nerddom that, you know, we all enjoy and love. Uh,
0: Mm. I can't imagine...
1: Marvel and everything.
0: Okay, so here's the quote from Kevin Feige about Deadpool. It will be R-rated and we are working on a script right now. And Ryan's overseeing the script right now. It will not be filming this year. Ryan is very busy and very successful actor. We've got a number of things we've already announced that we now have to make, but it's exciting for it to have begun. Again a very different type of character in the MCU. And Ryan is a force of nature, which is just awesome to see him. So they are bringing him back. Um, that's from this year. They are, they are currently working on one. They said it's going to be R-rated. I bet it will be a different kind of R-rated. Like, it's probably not going to be any nudity in it. But uh, there's no way they're going to leave the X-Men characters on the shelf. Like, they're doing all this dimension stuff like in the new Doctor Strange movie. It would be an interesting if they introduced like Wolverine that way, but you know. Yeah,
1: there there was you know a lot of crossover between X Men and the rest of the MCU. So.
0: Yeah, I if I there's some rumor that they're building towards. I think it would be interesting if instead of doing another Avengers movie, they did like a different kind of crossover. And there's been some speculation that the next one's going to be Marvel Secret Wars. Um, because the guy who wrote the Marvel Secret Wars comics, they just, like, gave him a bunch of money for no reason. <laughs> He's like, are you making a movie? They're like, we can't tell you. So it's a pretty safe bet. They're going to do something with that at some point. But that, that might be the next big crossover, like a Secret Wars, and maybe they'll, the, they'll start uh, sprinkling in characters between now and then. Like um, I remember
1: there was like a, a post Avengers that had Wolverine that like he was just like a merciless assassin. I feel like a lot of the uh. the later ones were super dark, you know, it was people dying and and having really bad like becoming evil and
0: Oh like the yeah. X Men movies.
1: Well, like the just the comics, you know. Oh it, the it comics. Really, oh, okay. Yeah, it was really bad for Captain America wolverine had a really bad time like very sad you know Not yeah very upbeat at all <laughs> what happened anyway? there's
0: like one point where magneto pulls all the metal out of wolverine's body and it makes him like lose his mind and he goes feral and start like just running around on all fours but also his feeling his healing factor kicks it in the overdrive because it turns out that the adamantium in his body was slowly poisoning him, and his healing factor was the only thing keeping him alive. So that was cool.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's I, just I like think a...
1: I saw a couple of those because there was a lot. Uh, I got a lot, uh, several like foil comics that were, yeah. that had the Sentinels, and it was just blood and gore and all kinds of people dying everywhere, and. Wolverine was feral in that one, and he had yeah. like bone claws.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had like a random issue, and and it wasn't years later that it was explained to me what happened. But I was like, "Why is Wolverine like? He's just like super hairy, and he's just like running around all like hunched over like a caveman? <laughs> like yeah, what is happening?" I thought happening? it was
1: like a, I thought it was like a, like a prequel thing because I got those oh, yeah. comics out of context, so I didn't know. What, where they were at in any sort of timeline, I just thought they looked amazing and like the yeah. dialogue was cool and the, the graphics of the pictures were really cool. And it was like it's weird back then, foil was everywhere, dude. Like, I remember yeah. cereal boxes had foil <laughs> Jurassic Park, and like that's amazing. Everyone ate it up. I loved it. I kept, yeah. a, a cereal box like jurassic park symbol for like a year and dude know, like, i had a box foils like foils everywhere you know everything is foil. yeah so.
0: that's awesome let's bring let's that back let's make that a thing
1: <laughs> yeah
0: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna stop this year so i can save the recording and then uh we'll be right back and we're back we uh took a little break yeah, yeah, yeah. we talked a little star wars a little philosophy and uh now we're gonna in, uh, in between <laughs> and now we're gonna talk about i convinced you to buy two different games uh <laughs> let's talk about the, ex- the different experiences you had yeah
1: they're they're very different games the two yeah. games are are uh, obviously there's some genre crossing and any game that you look at is little pieces of different genres in it, usually. Um, but, yeah, there was Bloodborne, and yep. then there was No Man's Sky.
0: So let's talk about Bloodborne first, because I thought he, what would happen is we would hop in Bloodborne, we would do co-op mode, and I've already beaten the game, so I could help him on. But it turns out that Bloodborne has this, like, rather not user-friendly co-op mode. That involves using a limited resource. And a a limited resource that's pretty easy to get later on, but it's really difficult to get at the beginning of the game. And the game has this issue where the beginning of the game is a little bit... It's it's a bit more difficult than... It doesn't really ease you into it, like some of the Dark Souls games. So, uh,
1: yeah. I can't believe any (laughs) of the Dark Souls games ease you into it. I've only ever heard horror stories and it totally made sense when i played that game i was like man i am dying a lot like a lot i died against the first guy i saw like immediately and i was like this is this is intense man and then you were like oh yeah it's the dark souls people and i was like oh no This is gonna be painful. <laughs> this is masochism. It's got this
0: weird, like, it, it the way that the games are built, like, you have like psychological investment to like go back and kick a, a boss's ass, you know? Like, yeah,
1: I mean, like, the, the sense of accomplishment has got to be out of this world. Like, oh yeah, after you get your ass kicked that much, mm-hmm. it's got to be the best thing. But. I just, I don't know, it, you, you have to be very, very precise. I think the thing that completely killed it for me was I had a hard time because I didn't talk with you prior to playing it. And right. so I was, uh, there's this wolf, and then you were like, oh yeah, I think the wolf was supposed to kill you. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, because I kept going back to it, trying to attack it with my hands. Like, yeah the first time it's supposed
0: yet? to kill you and then they gave you the weapons but you don't even the game doesn't even tell you how to equip the weapons
1: <laughs> yeah and you see this wolf within 30 seconds of entering the game yeah so like you get out of bed and there's this wolf and it kills you over and over and over and over again but that isn't what got me i mean that that beat my soul down a little bit at the beginning i i tried to beat this wolf for like over an hour and i was like oh my god man i'm really not going to be able to play this game then I, you know, figured out the weapon thing, and then when we got to the point where we could co-op, because I was getting killed over and over and over and over. Yeah. Again, the the renew or the uh, the resource that isn't uh, renewable. Which is in,
0: it's called insight in the game.
1: Yeah, insight. I only had enough to do it one time, and I died within like two minutes of <laughs> getting it, and then we couldn't co-op. So we spent yeah. an hour. Or so, figuring out how to co-op. Because you, you have, you, you have to bells. get to the first
0: boss in order to do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Different bells, not user-friendly, as you said. Very yeah. not user-friendly. And then your co-op is extremely limited. If, yeah. if Unless you're at the later point where you are getting tons of insight. But I think the I, way to
0: do it would almost be to play through the game once on your own and then do a game plus mode co-op with somebody else
1: that's that probably way. was the original design i bet
0: yeah and and, and also like like the co-op do you
1: keep insight and weapons whenever you like restart or do you start uh, like
0: if you do game plus mode you keep everything and the enemies oh. get harder and and okay. like like there's certain things you can't do unless you game plus like there's a trophy for like maxing out a level of a weapon and there i don't think you could do that unless you do a game plus mode but, um, uh, I don't know what I was saying. But like, I, I, I'm at the point, like, I think the co-op is almost like a backdoor co-op, because what they want you to do is like, if you're struggling with a boss, you can ring that bell, and then another player can show up at the boss fight and help you beat the boss. I don't yeah, think I don't, it's I don't intended. Feel like
1: it's a true... Yeah, it's not a true co-op, I don't think. Yeah. It's sort of like and, a sometimes, once in a while kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know what we could do? We could you know, like do co-op for like 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, and, and I know some people do play through the games in co-op and, and do it that way, but the game doesn't make it, doesn't facilitate yeah. that experience. Yeah. So It's
1: possible, but you kind of have to force it a little.
0: Yeah, you gotta fight against the game. <laughs> so uh that was your experience with Bloodborne. Since then, that was what, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I've I've been playing some more. I was pretty much that's been my day today. Uh the kids are out of, Emily and the kids are out of town, so I've just been playing Bloodborne. <laughs> and um I've made it I've made it decently far in the game. I'm like level nice. thirty four Uh, It is yeah.
1: The the I mean like the regular guys you fight are crazy, but then (laughs) I mean like the game teaches you. As long as you take your time to feel the flow. I got to a point where I was dying a lot, but reasonably I you know, it wasn't absolutely terrible. That first boss probably would have killed me for like a week straight. I don't know. But like here's the thing, is like YouTube videos to figure out Because he kept stomping on me, and I was like, I don't know. And he's
0: got one ability where he'll just grab you, and he'll, like, basically one shot you. He'll just, like, eat you. Uh, But the first time I played through Bloodborne, I got absolutely stomped by that boss over and over and over again, and I was just hitting my head against the wall. But, like, this time when we were trying to co op, I went to him, and I beat him on the first try. And it's just like. Part of it is is the RPG elements of your character getting stronger, but mostly it's like your personal growth. It facilitates you like getting better at the game, and I think that's part of what makes it so satisfying.
1: So yeah, it's it's a very niche type of thing. You you have to be a hundred percent devoted, and willing to suffer in order to. <laughs> feel that glorious feeling of victory yeah so it's
0: and and know, like I'm a, I'm a for the record bloodborne is like the ease probably the easiest one to get into so if you fell off that don't get the other ones
1: absolutely not i never <laughs> ever had the, the smallest inkling of getting any of the oh, dark no. souls i've known many people who have played them and yeah. they're like man this is torture but I just can't stop. <laughs> like, the thing is, sound like, it's good to me at all. Just
0: most dying, of the time, dying, it dying feels fair. It's
1: so, it's so many load screens. Yeah. yeah, I, it, I like the idea that it's more realistic because one thing yeah. that kind of is weird about games is that, like, you can just get shot a hundred times Ugh, yeah. or just cut up like crazy. And you don't really sustain injuries in a normal way. You just sort of, you're just a punching bag that can kind of take it, and it's not very realistic. Yeah. And even like not only the way you get damaged, but even the way that your body responds to the blows is not very realistic. Mm-hmm. I feel like that game is too much on the other side, though. Like it's, <laughs> it's like you could get killed with a paper clip.
0: In but that game but it's also so fair that like people have beaten dark souls without getting hit once they've made it through the all the bosses the entire game or they'll make it through the entire game without leveling up once so like it seems like when you're new to it that it's not fair but like once you learn how the world works it's almost like it's like clockwork you know you kind of get it it's like you see the matrix and you become neo to a degree. Yeah. And then you meet find a new for boss me, and he kicks your ass for a little while but
1: Yeah, for me I like to have the dopamine hit like it, it doesn't hit the same for me in a game like that where you have to be a a perfect like reflex, you know. Yeah. Where you just you just bam, you see it, you respond, you know immediately what to do, you're just automatically firing it's all like subconscious reworking of neurons in your brain. What I like yeah, yeah. is using, I like the example names that um, are used in the book Thinking Fast and Slow or System One and System Two. I like okay. games that are a little bit more um, System Two, where it you, I mean, the game you build a intuitive system of dealing with combat or conflict or whatever in the game but Mm -hmm. i also like games that make you think that for instance like you have decisions to make and based off those decisions good things or bad things happen you know i like that like it's like oh your your settlement there's this person comes by and they they offer to sell this for a certain amount of thing and do you do you accept to do that or not or you're talking to somebody and you decide to act harshly versus nice and you get a different branch of the storyline out of it I, it's
0: interesting I you like say that cuz like, like i agree and disagree with what you're saying like i'm not good when it comes to like twitchy reflex stuff either like like a call that's of what duty the game is. well listen listen i like a call of duty absolutely going to mop the floor with me but like Something like... Like, I think... he Like, here's how I had uh, the Hitman... You know, Hitman, you haven't tried that yet, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, uh, Hitman is, like, similar in the sense that... Uh, like, here's how I had Bloodborne explain to me. It's... It's... um Groundhog's Day. You're not, like, g- good because you have skill... You're good because you know everything that's going to happen because you've lived through this level before. Like, the enemies are always going to act a certain way. They're always going to be in the same spot. The timings for their attacks always going to be exactly the same. So what you're essentially doing is learning how the world works and exploiting it. And that could, you know, take you one try to get through an area, or it could take you hours and hours of hitting your head against the wall, and then finally, like, it clicks. But it's not like I'm not good at 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 Bloodborne because I'm like so skilled. I'm good at Bloodborne because I've spent so much time in Bloodborne that I know how the world operates. It's very much like that fantasy of like when when Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day is like, oh, yeah, I know how to play piano now. And it's like, how do you know how to play piano? Because he's been playing piano for like 100 years. But for them, it's been less than a day, you know?
1: Yeah, so when I said dopamine hit, I think the disconnect... So i said a lot of other stuff, too. But for me, it... Because I think all aspects of all games for a gamer are appealing. I think to mm-hmm. a certain degree, internalizing, like I said, the intuitive nature of combat and sort of figuring out, oh, like, for instance, in No Man's Sky, there's an optimal way to engage sentinels in that game. And sure. I figured out pretty quickly how to do that. And You I'm shoot them and
0: dizzy. run away? No. No? What do you won't. do? All
1: right. So there's a certain rhythm, like you say, in, in Bloodborne. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll explain this. So for me, when I'm playing it, it's like, all right. I know that i'm going to have to reload every once in a while and i know if i shoot their pods it'll like get my it'll reload my ammo or it'll give me more ammo and it will recharge my shields so after i take a couple of them down there's a certain rhythm where okay i've I've shot two or three of them now i'm going to shoot one of the things that they dropped and Hmm. the the regular sentinels are easy they change levels and so certain ones will Alternate between ground and higher the ground ones are easier to hit. They also move from side to side And they only fire every once in a while so you can time their rates of fire You can also like intuitively sense when it's time for you to reload So you're juking and jiving a little bit more while that's going on you're like, oh As soon as the reload thing happens, you can just see the little bar raising on your screen. It doesn't take a lot for you to be like oh it's that little indicator is enough for me to go, I'm completely changing my behavior right now because I know that I'm not going to be able to return fire. And, mm. you know, which ones are optimal to shoot at? For me, the ones that are lower are optimal to shoot at. And, and just stuff like that. I've spent a decent amount, not, not a ton, but I got my dopamine hit prior to learning the combat. So I had buy-in to the game because all I'm saying is that, like, for that intuitive stuff it's mm-hmm. not good for me as a person for it to be yeah. For so the games i enjoy the most i get really invested in the game by either storyline or accumulation like oh game. i
0: agree with you that it's a problem with the dark souls games that they're so unwelcoming because they, like i they're great I, for certain <laughs> people they're just
1: not great for me
0: i they think a point soul. of comparison is like Super Mario Bros. 3, anybody can get through those early levels, but like the later levels are like Dark Souls level of like, you're just going to have to memorize where all the enemies are and do this perfectly. And, And if the early levels were the first levels, you would never, nobody would ever get past the first levels and see the game and nobody would ever get invested. And I think, I think that there is a problem with Bloodborne where it's hard to get invested initially.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I'm a slower starter too. I I feel like I'm not necessarily sometimes all game for tens of hours. I will completely game an entire day. But yeah. I I wouldn't say that I'm like the kind of advanced gamer that has a full 10,000 hours under their belt that has played a, du- a bunch of different genres cuz I feel like dark Souls is optimized for people that are hardcore gamers that are really good at gaming and they built a certain skill set over time over many different genres and they just the the game punching them is like reinforcing because they' are usually just crush games you know that they're yeah. like oh this is actually giving me a fight that I, I don't know but I I just feel like, I'm a little bit of a slower starter. And I think other than the fact that games that where there's accumulation or there's building, you get to see like, you know, City Skylines or, or Valheim or any of those games where in different kind of ways, you're, you're building something up and you get to see the result of it. Um, those appeal to me as a genre, but also they're, they're very slow. You know, mm-hmm. like you can take your time, you can really dip your toes in the water and then go, OK, I'm ready to dive all the way in. Like there's there's mm. a big area. And I think I like games that have a lot of side quests for that same reason, because if. Yeah, you can do I it at your own wanna, pace. Yeah. If I don't want to go down the main quest path and if the side quests are interesting, then I can do those. And usually doing side quests in a lot of games, you get you accumulate something so like mm-hmm. for instance in um, andromeda they have something that's similar to no man's sky where you have these uh, strike teams and they have different stats of their ability different ranks their ability to accomplish certain missions and little quirks and um, uh, modifiers i guess you could say um, that that make them just a little bit better or a little bit worse at particular things and you decide where to send these strike forces out they're, they'll say they'll go on a recon mission or a protection mission or they're um you know they're getting something or they're attacking something uh, a raiders so. so you have all these different mission sets and you apply them to different teams based off of their skill you know their skill level and uh and then it just takes a certain amount of time and then they accomplish it but you get like resources back from that I love mm-hmm. stuff like that where you get uh, cash in game where like you can buy a really cool ship or you know just some other form of accumulation which is a lot of what was super appealing about No Man's Sky but it's such a great game I've I've advanced in the plot quite a bit to the point yeah. where you know most of the way through it's the the main storyline isn't super long Necessarily, um, yeah. I
0: never finished the story. Uh, I because here's what'll happen is I'll play the game for a while and then I'll drop off of it, and then they'll update it a bunch of times and I'll go back in and I'll be like, I feel like I just need to start over, (laughs) so I started over, uh, and then I made it a good but further in the story and I still and then I dropped off again, but so. How for, uh, do you have, like, uh, have you done the settlement stuff at all?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, the- so I don't have a class A settlement, but I've done a ton of stuff. I've learned a lot about the crafting in the game in order to do that. Cause like.
0: Cause the settlement's the new thing. I haven't done that yet at all.
1: Yeah. So settlements are pretty fun. Um. Basically what's, what's interesting about a settlement versus freighters because you've probably done freighters right? Yeah, I have you know, a freighter. Original game? Okay, well, so, it wasn't.
0: So, but uh, they added that like a year later.
1: So I, I have freighters and I have a settlement. So the settlements are they're interesting because you don't know what you're going to get out of a settlement until you get it out of debt and it always starts off super, super messed up so mm. i think i accumulated debt and i also wasn't trying to be like a terrible task master yeah task master um and like just try to squeeze all the profit out of it that i could i wanted the, the settlement to thrive as well as you know potentially produce things for me so i went into debt almost almost 400k and then i rapidly got out of that debt because eventually the game started putting on a lot of productivity, and there was a massive amount of maintenance costs. So it was like the worst-case scenario is usually what they give you with the settlement to start off with,
2: hmm. and
1: then it, it upgrades and stuff. Once you get out of debt, it doesn't give you the excess money, which is what I thought that it was going to do. And I was like, oh, man, that would be great. Because, yeah. for instance, my my maintenance is like 150 k per day, and my – my productivity is like 450. So that, that's a lot, you know? That's 300K of units in the game per day. I mean, like, that, it's not unreasonable because you have a lot of ships that are multi-million dollar ships. You even have like a regular flying ship that's like 40 mil, you know? Yeah. But... Um, so the
0: operation cost for the town that comes out of your pocket... Or the towns that has a separate...
1: No, so, so they have a ledger that balances debt against um, whether or not they're in debt or not. And if they're okay. not in debt, then they produce something. You don't get credits. Like with the freighters, you can make a ton of money off the freighters. I'm obsessed Oh, really? With I, I love going between <laughs> systems. You've probably played
0: more than I have at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I love going between systems and selling things that are... Um, Needed in different economies and making money that way. I oh, shot sure. from t- from two million up to like twelve million in maybe Dang. an hour, hour and a half, just Dang. jumping between different systems. It's like Trade
0: Winds. Have you played Trade Winds?
1: I-, I haven't, but I, I like <laughs> that. Um, I can't remember what other game, but I oh Eve. So somebody told me mm. that in order to be really good at Eve and to love Eve, you got to kind of be a little bit autistic. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I absolutely loved it. And I played Eve for a long time. I upgraded ships. There's a lot of similarities between Eve and No Man's Sky, except for it's like all the best parts of Eve and all the best parts of Valheim, and then new stuff that, that incorporates it's better than, than both of them. But the. Um, you can. So you don't actually make money, but each settlement is a little bit different depending on if. You open up a settlement on a Corvax world or a Gek world um, or whatever, and depending on what that world would potentially produce anyways, but you don't know until you've invested several hundred thousand into a settlement because you have to supply the resources in order to build mm. the different facilities to increase production. Oh, okay. So say, for instance, I needed to get Aronium. And I didn't know how to craft it at that time. I eventually got savvy and figured out I could create it in a reactor or a, um, a refinery without actually mm-hmm. knowing the recipe. And you could do that with pretty much anything. That's something I figured Whoa. out after a little bit of time. It's not perfect, but basically – because certain things that you craft are secondary echelon things. So you have to craft something else and then use that as a component in the thing that you're trying to create. Yeah, that but gets for, annoying. For things – but for things that are created out of raw resources a basic element like chlorine or radon or whatever you can create those in the refinery and it will create like aronium, if you know what the inputs for erroneum are and if you have one erroneum it tells you you know it's perforidium mm. and platinum or whatever it is that's in there uh, as long as you have one it tells you what it uh, is, is made out of and so you throw it in the refinery and you can make it those things are worth like 25k a piece and you need three of them in order to build any of your um any of your landing pads and you need three of them multiple times so i think it was either six or nine of them so if you count 25k times nine You know, that's over 200K for just one pad, which is going to produce 40K, but you never see any of that money back. Because what it will produce is a basic resource or a commodity. And, um, like, for me, it's... So it's like
0: resource farming.
1: Yes. All, All it will give you is particular resources, but you won't know that until you've invested tons of money in the settlement you may be getting resources that you're not crazy fond of. Like Mm. for me, radon is not that big. And I have started getting a very good idea of all the crafting um, maps, like what what you need radon for, what it's valuable for. There's different Mm. things you can do with crafting. A base element like that is either going to um, multiply the refining of another element so like you add one of those and it'll give you four or two of the other one. So it like multiplies how many you would get of something else. Or it can be crafted into something itself. But a lot of them like radon are only um, mostly used for like farming and stuff. There's there's not a lot of um, expensive crafting things like aronium or something like that that use gases necessarily. It's usually some harder to find mineral. Hmm. Um, so it's it's a unbelievably just the amount of that there is to explore and know yeah and the the fact that you can literally just fly around forever warping between systems and see different planets they and never see all of
0: it. you could yeah, spend your whole life everything. playing that game and never see every planet
1: yeah. Although to be fair, uh, um, sort of spoiled it a little bit for myself to find out that you can create different galaxies at the end of the game. And, what? And there are actually, when you look at the planets, there are there's a um, there's only a few different kinds of planets. Yeah. There's irradiated planets. There's fire planets, cold planets, extreme weather planets and lush planets
0: well there's also random weird ones like there's ones that are that are uh man-made planets and they're all like it's made it's like a it's all made out of like glass or like metal so there are like weird random ones you can find
1: i i have gone to a a random world and i it's super weird it was yeah pretty cool um it's it's very desolate i so i've went to a foaming world i've went to a lot of the weird ones as well but generally speaking there's not a lot on those worlds like even when you go to the weird ones i would even classify that as a subcategory of planet yeah so you've got a and a weird planet has like bubble creatures or it has creatures that are literally just a row of sticks or bones that are protruding out of the ground in a particular direction and <laughs> like one of those worlds is uh considered uh fragmented or something the other one was foam but they're you you only get certain kinds of those worlds and they're usually completely desolate of resources
0: they're yeah. completely
1: desolate of um, Creature races and stuff like that. So they're kind of – they're an oddity, but they're not very useful for in-game play. They're just sort of like a shock factor. Whoa, mm-hmm. everything's bubbles here. Maybe – and I will say for the foaming worlds, down in caves, there are other resources. But generally speaking, they're pretty um, – they're pretty um, vacant. And there are combinations of worlds too. I wouldn't say that. Like there there's a world – did I we consider like a water world where it's primarily oceans that oh, yeah. exploring? So ocean are exploring? Also... Because there's ocean base
0: building. Did you know about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've already yeah. gotten a lot of the salvage <laughs> I
0: How many hours there? have you sunk into this? I should have asked you this at the top.
1: About ninety. I'm I think yeah. about ninety hours right now.
0: Between my two memory slots I've only sunk in sixty hours, I think. So or may, and it might be less than that. So you are more advanced than me now. Uh, I, and I guess you've done like you've built bases and stuff too. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I have multiple bases. I've, I've created small bases, particularly for resource gathering. And I've created uh, my main base is on my sort of first world. And it is massive. I've got a separate okay. container. Uh, So, you know, the ones that cost 100 pure ferrite, I've got a different one for each one. So, originally, I had all of my um, stations in the same room. I had my farmer, construction, science, uh, armorer. They were all in the same room. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about making a little, like, city type thing because I kept expanding my base. So, I made Mm -hmm. each one of them their own room. And I haven't put furniture in there yet, but that's... That's on the, on the way. They're all connected with a, like a tube in between them, but they've all got hollow doors. They've all got their own space. And then my, mm-hmm. my dude that runs my vehicle stuff, he's like off in his own corner near the vehicles. And I've pretty so, much completed all of their side quests. So at a dang. certain point, they just say, because like, all they do for you is they unlock uh, stuff. And I realize, oh, man, I've kind of been wasting salvage material going around on different worlds and digging them up on things that I kind of wanted, but it turns out that those guys eventually give it to you if you just go through all their quests. So mm. I just sort of did a hard stop, decided I was going to finish all my base quests so that I would only be using salvage material for aesthetic stuff or stuff that just happened to be left over once I finished them all. And so, uh, I basically things... finished with all of them for the most part.
0: That's awesome. Two things in the game that I haven't gotten to do yet, but I want to try, is the mechs and the living ships. Have you done either of those?
1: I have not. Um, I've gotten the Colossus, and I bought the Colossus prior to the guy giving it to you. So that was one of those ones that I lost 10 salvage credits, and I was like, oh, that hurts, because that's a lot. Um, uh, Yeah, that's like 30 minutes of of roaming around digging stuff up
0: and you know that on the the um what is the big ship the dreadnought what is that called the
1: uh you're talking about a ship or the the stuff that you drive on the planet
0: the spaceship that can fit other smaller spaceships the um that
1: one that one is a freighter
0: the freighter so you can get this thing on your freighter that allows you to teleport vehicles down to planets did you know about that yeah it is, oh, okay. If you're
1: looking at the text, if you're looking at the tech tree, it's the one on the far left.
0: Oh yeah, see that? See, like the the thing is, like they like add these stuff and updates, and the, the, like it, when I was playing the game, most of the time it wasn't there. Yeah, like, I
1: haven't bought that one yet because I haven't really used Exocrafts that much. Although mm. eventually I am gonna make a racetrack, and oh, I'm gonna cool. like with like obstacles and everything because that's Whoa. one of the some of the things that you can buy in the game with your salvage credits are like ramps or different things and I like the idea of digging out like a track and just driving and seeing you know if I can handle the hard turns and stuff and make a a decent track although the only downside to that is that you would eventually have to clear it out because the game randomly generates trees and flora especially on planets that aren't barren It, it like I had a tree growing straight through one of my glass things because the ground wasn't covered, um, oh. like directly covered. So it will just shove a tree there and it will go <laughs> through the graphics of if so I had like a glass overhang. It's sort of like a balcony going around mm-hmm. the second and third floors of my big house. I've got my main house that has my health reheals, my safe point, all my like useful stuff. And it's. It's got like a weapons rack on the wall. And then I've got kind of like a big storage facility, which is, was my original house. But it's just, I don't know. I haven't really worked it. I, I like the modular stuff a little bit more, at least for now.
0: Yeah. Uh, and have you done the living ship yet?
1: I have not. I, I actually don't even know exactly what the, is. Is that the underwater one?
0: So, the way to do it, the only way that I know to do it is, what, you, what is it called the anomaly? That place where you can go and and buy stuff? Yes. And So, you can do the anomaly, and there's, like, a certain currency you earn from doing, like, raids and, like, online stuff. And when you earn enough ah, of yeah. those from the anomaly, you can buy a seed for a living ship. And the living ship evolves, and, like, you can, like level it up to do like be good in combat or be really fast and it doesn't i don't know if it uses fuel even uh, or maybe it uses
1: sick. Yeah, yeah so it might I don't use know a how different much kind of much fuel you've gotten into D
0: um mm, not, lately but no the,
1: the mind flares the mind flares that are the more powerful ones they they typically are so you've got the mind flares that are in the underdark and okay. they they're like Usually the non-magical ones, and they're usually just assholes that kind of have some mild psionic abilities. But the guys that are from the far reaches of God knows where that have fought against the uh, Gith or whatever in the astral planes and stuff like that, the ones that are really like out there, super powerful, they've got these nautilus ships that are basically a living animal that they've hollowed out like the insides of it it's basically like a an octopus um snail it's got like a shell and then it has several floors on the inside and they they psionically um control the ship and they also have all these like organic levers and stuff that they pull but they it's a living ship. It's actually alive, but it's sort of been um, lobotomized in a sense. Ugh. Like It doesn't really have a mind per se, but it's just got these parasitic mind flares just sort of like pulling it around and making it do stuff. But it's a, a they did that sea creature basically. And yeah. It's a living ship. So
0: they did that in the Star Wars books back in the day. Uh, before like disney bought star wars these like dudes showed up from another galaxy and they had these ships that were grown from like coral and all their weapons and stuff were like living creatures it was pretty cool Hmm.
1: yeah but but the uh that that sounds super interesting so i have not done nexus missions which is where you gain that resource you also get some from nada who is the uh corvette the daft punk looking dude yeah, it's a girl, but yeah.
0: Oh, it's a uh, girl?
1: Yeah. A, she's a Corvax.
0: Are and all Corvax? How can you well, tell it's a girl?
1: It mentions it in one of the quest lines. Oh, okay. It, it mentions, because the, the guy, well, I don't know if I want to really spoil it. You, know, you may have not done this part yet. It it mentions a female Corvax and a male Gek. Oh, okay. And it's them two.
0: Well, uh, uh, No Man's Sky, check it out. Uh, Amazing
1: game. I'm obsessed.
0: (laughs) I recommend Bloodborne, but it's definitely not for everybody. Like, my wife won't touch that game, and we play a lot of stuff together. So, Uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Um, maybe next time we'll talk about, uh, Marcus Aurelius or I'm going to go try and see Shang-Chi this week. So maybe we could even, uh, I, I've been interested in doing like a, a Marvel episode where we just talk about Marvel in general, but ooh, yeah, we'll try to do these more often, but, uh, okay. All right, everybody, uh, be excellent to each other. Bye.
1: One of the really interesting things about the corvax that I don't think is explained, and one of the things that really ignites my imagination with it, which I really like, is it reminded me of a concept in one of Sid Meier's games which wasn't well received called Beyond Earth where mm. you are basically humans i mean you you're just you come from earth you're going out into the wide galaxy and then you find this planet and it already has organic life forms there and you basically either try to dominate the planet and uh, and other people that are there as well or you try to create a symbiosis between the organic creatures that are there and yourself sort That's of like genetic splicing in a way but one of the options is creating a kind of collective you super advance technology to the point where people are like a hive mind almost and mm. that is what the corvax almost seem like to me because and i don't i haven't looked into the lure very much Within the game, it doesn't seem to explain. It explains that the Corvax. Um, so, yeah, it's very possible that they just existed on their own. You know, they could have just been, you know, one possibility is that they're an AI sort of thing that was created by some mammals that wound up being killed off or something by themselves or whatever and they just survived and then they were able to mm. eventually replicate themselves or another option is that there was a mammalian or otherwise another species that downloaded their bodies into a hive mind and into like a you know particular suits and stuff yeah can you imagine like all humans downloading their consciousness into suits
0: I can picture so people that doing don't... that so we could, like, keep our, you know, if yeah, some people are just obsessed alive. with keeping this, yeah, keeping our, uh, our species yeah. alive.
1: So one thing that people are trying to advance is advancing old age, and they're probably at the point within a few decades that they'll be able to extend it out to 120 years, potentially. I think that's reasonable, and I think it's, it's not um, – Bombasting. It's not empty speak whenever they, they talk about trying to make goals like that scientifically. Um, yeah. Based off of what I feel that I understand from the kind of research that's going on. So, the average age for, say, like an American is about like 88 or something. You know, it's different for males and females. and Different people have different risk factors. Obviously, won't live as long, but um, yeah, it's generally average. I think that that could move up 10, 20 years relatively easily within a fairly short amount of time because they're attacking the problem from a lot of different angles from the way Mm -hmm. that I understand it. So it's not just a single solution. Each solution will sort of like improve us for a few years, you know? Like, oh, you'll be able to live a few years longer because this is just going to marginally help you. But then this other thing is going to marginally help you and it's a completely different thing it's like i don't know that kind of stuff i think that they could easily push out a little bit but there's limits to that i I don't i don't know that within our lifetime even if it, it gets extended to say 110 or or more we're still going to you know expire just like everyone has we're all gonna die probably And long life is just going to
0: slow down our human evolution anyways. It's going to slow down our cultural evolution. It's it's no good. I don't think
1: it'll slow down our cultural evolution. I think It could have, like...
0: So, like, let's look at our, like, the way our country's run right now. There's a bunch of people running our country that don't understand, like... I don't want to be disparaging when I say they don't understand technology. But there are, like bad laws in place for stuff like for instance if I buy a book I can sell you that book I can loan you that book but if I buy a digital book I don't own that I own like a license to view that thing and there's like certain weird things with digital ownership that it it, as an example that I think shows uh Technology is advancing faster than our ability to keep up with it legally, and and I don't think that it, having, like, 110-year-olds in the Senate is going to do us any favors.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right, because people think differently. They get locked into a certain thing, and there's – but I don't think that's an accident that these much, much older people wind up getting into these positions – Um, It's something that I've thought about a lot recently because I'm reading my second. This this is either, no, this is my third. This is my third go through, I want to say it's my third go through meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And a lot of, of like, the enlightenment and the, the way that, if you can just imagine that, generally speaking, people in Congress, they're going to, over the course of several human lifetimes, Because it's only been like three people ago, you know, or something that Jefferson and everyone. I mean,
0: that's like a that's like a Joe Rogan joke. (laughs) We founded this country four people ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay, well, you know, around. uh, Yeah, because it's not even 300 years. Even if people were only living to 60 or so. Yeah, it's it's like three people.
0: people, three, four people.
1: But one person dying, the next people aren't from the beginning of one lifespan to another going to necessarily be influencing each other. There's twenty-year, thirty-year differences between individuals that are going to influence each other. But those those people um, that founded the country were a part of the Enlightenment and or the post Enlightenment period. The Enlightenment was much hundreds of years earlier. But basically, people found a bunch of writings, and Marcus Aurelius's writings were among those. And basically, hmm. Stoicism and stuff. They came up with this idea of a virtuous leader. And um, I don't want to get down a rabbit hole with this. But yeah, I need the, to
0: get that book because you keep it talking is about really, it.
1: Really, really good. So, to to give you an idea of the high-mindedness of it and just the fact of how quality it is because i think that it's affected like the founding of our country in a huge way almost more than any other stoicism any other ancient writing it's one Hmm. of the best books ever written and it was a diary for him from him he was writing to himself not really trying to get anyone else on board with what he was doing he was just rationalizing them to himself he's like you know things are this way and yeah. if they're not, then this is the conclusion and you should still be happy, you know, just stuff like that. And uh, so General Mattis, the Marine general that invaded Iraq, super smart guy, super well liked, um, very quintessential military leader, uh, so much so just wildly popular in military communities. And, you know, a lot of people joking that he had a really good shot at the presidency that he'll never mm. run for. Um, but he took meditations on that deployment into iraq and that was like his grounding thing because because the book is you you gotta imagine marcus aurelius was the emperor over the largest expanse of the roman empire it was at its absolute maximum it it was spanning all the way from syria all the way to great britain all the way down to spain all the way across morocco and the top of africa all the way up to the rhine river and bordering into and you know going into constant conflict with the germans uh north of the rhine i mean he was after caesar caesar went over the rhine didn't really fight a lot but they were already pushing that boundary centuries before marcus aurelius he was um yeah, but, but anyways, he's, it's such a large empire, you know, and he's ju- he was just trying to ground himself to be, like, in reality, not completely blown out of proportion, not completely poisoned by his own power. And I think that...
0: That's cool. As I've,
1: as I've reflected on it after a few times, a lot of... So I've learned about the Founding Fathers and sort of what they considered... To be the optimal person to be in power mm-hmm. in in addition to a sort of perfect system that will be able to correct itself, that will be able to ensure that individuals' rights aren't completely squashed by the majority and that um, people have recourse to change their government if it's not working for them for some reason without blood being shed.
0: Sure. But
1: one of the things that they were interested in is what kind of leader... Is going to be in charge of the executive branch because the legislative and the judicial it's like okay you've got to have these the judicial was also like they've got to be wise high-minded principled individuals that are very intelligent very well practiced at law that are going to be able to um, interpret things and they had a pretty small mission at the beginning like they expanded their own power considerably it wasn't necessarily a three system checks and balances the the you know judicial branch was there to be sort of like a tiebreaker more between the executive and the legislative to ensure that the king doesn't usurp power and become an authoritarian they they were sort of like a second voice to to deal with any transgressions by that person because they were very well aware of like populism and stuff Uh, sure but the uh but it's a virtuous leader and they base their whole idea of a virtuous leader roughly off of um ancient writings like stoic writings and stuff and it's all about Hmm. some of the principles and everything that are taught in that book so that's a little bit of a plug for that book uh, a little yeah. bit aside from the game No Man's so
0: Sky. So check out No great. Man's Sky and check out Marcus Aurelius' meditations. meditations. <laughs> yes. Uh, Emperor of th- the Roman
1: Empire covering all of Europe. Crazy powerful guy. Kept himself principled and under control. Uh, an amazing feat given. Yeah, the, I was going to say, not easy know, to
0: do when you have that much power.
1: Even, even nowadays. If you were to. Yeah put somebody in control of the known world to expanses across an empire that covers multiple different kinds of people you would lose all sense of reality i mean it's oh it's yeah far beyond being like i mean
0: a, the stanford prison experiment those guys lost their minds within like a week so
1: yeah and it's it's just a you know it's the only way i think and i've looked at a lot of the neuroscience research into different things like how power affects people's brains and mm-hmm. you know there's an old adage that everyone kind of knows sort of is true is power that, corrupts you know, an absolute power corrupts absolutely is right the quote and the the neuroscience behind it is that the front of the brain is your executive part it's where you plan you you know resist temptation control yourself um you know make decisions those those sort of things are are happening a lot in the front of the brain and then a lot of the other parts of your brain are either sensing things or they're pushing you towards things that you want at that moment which are attached to your reward centers like eating a chocolate bar having sex winning at gambling you know being famous Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: a lot of the things that stoicism in particular what marcus Aurelius was what's interesting is that he sort of came upon stoicism and realized that it worked really well for his particular circumstance but it also works for a lot of other people in everyday life there, there are other advice avenues out there that I think are great. If I think that some of Jordan Peterson's stuff, some of his talks about um, certain things are not like political, but just how do you survive in your life? How do you put the next foot in front of the other? He's got some unparalleled advice, I think. But this stuff is also pretty much applicable to everyone. But the, the front of the brain basically you don't lose neurons but you lose connections between neurons and this is kind of like a weakening of of that Hmm. kind that part of the brain meditation um increases connections in the front of the brain Um, exercising it through self-control and things like that um and you know just living a principled life makes those sort of things easier rationalizing the reasons for being uh rational person and, and a self-controlled person happen there and it's exercise and it gets stronger like a muscle uh, neurons that fire together wire together is the, the saying that uh, psychologists neuroscientists anyone that's interested in the brain they say because you get more connections when things are lighting up next to each other neurons just they they get it causes chemical activity and it causes growth and they start touching each other so that part of the brain gets weakened when you have power and it gets weakened when you give into your urges and stuff it's basically it it also another analogy that's useful i guess is the good wolf and the bad wolf or the sort of dichotomy that within each one person's soul of of sort of living uh uh A life just filled with excess and debauchery and lack of control self destructive and what the opposite of that is and it it comes down to different parts of your brain the the interesting part of that because it's all pretty well common knowledge is that power be the more power that you obtain the harder it is to maintain that front part of your brain Huh. Because, for various reasons, and, and a lot of this is conjecture, it's not necessarily proven. The so you could also go in the opposite direction. Very common in science for people to go, oh well, if causation doesn't, if correlation doesn't equal causation, then maybe let's give it in the opposite direction. Maybe people, people that already are that immoral. Weak, yeah, people that have. Parts that are predisposed, this would be the, the question. Are people who are predisposed towards losing gray matter, which is connections in their frontal lobe, if they are going to be on a trajectory to lose those things, and those people are more likely to get into those positions? So, not necessarily that they're immoral or, you know, predisposed towards debauchery or anything necessarily. Well, actually, yes, predisposed. So they they have the potential, and it's more likely that it's going to happen. Those individuals doesn't mean that they are now, but they are more likely to in the future. I think it's much more likely that when you're in those positions where you have tons and tons of authority, that there's no one that's giving you resistance. Mm
0: -hmm. You
1: are able to say and do what you want more and more and more, and nobody is giving you boundaries. And you just sort of push over everything and you don't have, you know, any blinders keeping you in line. And that's what principles are in a way. And that's why the Star
0: Wars prequels weren't as good because George (laughs) Lucas had total control.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He He was a totally powerful, totally, like, thinking... That he was a nerd god and he could do no And wrong. he had,
0: like, a bunch <laughs> of, like, kiss-asses around him. Whereas, like, in yeah. the original movies, Harrison Ford is like, uh yeah, I just, like, do whatever I want. And, like, I tell George I'm when I deliver these lines. Like, <laughs> he had people putting an in input and like, editors and stuff. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think but. that it just changes your your worldview. And it... it like when you're a kid, your parents are constantly telling you what to do, what to do, what to do. And mm. uh, you're you're. I think throughout life, your brain is still automatically going to degrade in a particular pattern because that is the natural cycle genetically of human beings. Your brain does eventually die as you get older, um, does get weaker and stuff. But um, it... Yeah, I just think that it comes down to, because I, I was using kids as an example, kids are going to have more or less frontal, cortal, cortical, you know, um, gray matter, sort of irregardless of how much force is being put upon them. But when, when you have, when you're free to do and make decisions, you know, the more authority you have, I, I think that it, the science has shown that it it sort of degrades that, but you can strengthen it. Yeah. So that that was a long diatribe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I might snip that off and put it like after the after the end of the podcast, but because uh, we're yeah, clocking in like an hour and a half here now.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad idea. It's not really like a. A good standalone thing but it could be like a we could do you know a whole that, episode yeah, on
0: Marcus Aurelius for sure
1: yeah we but. could he has some amazing stuff and actually so like um, yeah yeah we, we could easily uh, I mean I'm, I'm right in the, the meat of it right now I'm almost done with it um, it's a little bit different doing it with the audiobook, but because I read it on paper everything is sticking a lot better because oh, okay. there's that visual reinforcer that I'm sort of treading the same path over again obviously that helps mm-hmm. memory too but yeah the, um, I think just listening to it wouldn't have had the same impact had I not read it before I guess
0: yeah that makes sense
1: But, yeah, we could talk about it. It is chock full of amazing stuff. Some of the, I mean, just wisdom, you know? Yeah. Timeless wisdom. I don't
0: know. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll make that an episode. Um, Let me, I'm just going to save this one.